everyone. Welcome to the podcast of the Vineyard Church, Chester Springs. We invite you to join our mission to love like Jesus, and you can connect with us on social media or visit our website, csvineyard.org. Now for this week's talk, brought to you by co-lead pastor Amos Grunendijk. Good morning, everybody. My name is Amos. I'm one of the lead pastors here. Thank you for joining us online as well as in person. I want to read uh, or reread what the Pagets read just a moment ago. In the Bible, holy means sacred, set apart or distinct. The hope that Jesus offers us is holy because it is different than the world's hope. It is not simply optimism or wishing for a better future. Instead, biblical hope is the confident expectation that Jesus' kingdom will come in all its fullness. Since our hope is rooted in his resurrection, it need not be shaken by circumstances, tragedies, or even pandemics. And then Isaiah goes on to describe Jesus' kingdom uh, and Jesus himself. In imagery that maybe some of you have read, of course, it's not just about lions laying down with lambs and children uh, playing in scorpions or vipers' nests. It's about bringing enemies together because in his kingdom, love wins. Sounds a little bit like uh, our, last peri- our last series, right? Love period when Jesus says to love your enemies right? And so we see with the king comes his kingdom, and one of the primary characteristics of his kingdom is life springing up from death and enemies being reconciled. This is what we plant our hope in. And so let's pray. Come Holy Spirit, we center ourselves as we prepare for this Christmas season Remembering that your birth brings hope into a dark world. So, Holy Spirit, be our teacher today. Settle our hearts today. Help us to feel your presence today. Amen. I'm going to read now from Romans 15, chapter 12 where the Apostle Paul writes in this letter to people, Christians living in Rome, the root of Jesse will spring up, one who will arise to rule over the nations. In him, the Gentiles will hope. And the Apostle Paul here is actually making reference to that passage that we just read from in Isaiah 11. It's really profound that here he's saying this this root or this, this shoot that comes up from the root of Jesse, right? This Jewish man will be the hope for everybody across the entire world. But he goes on, May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him, so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. And so these, uh, these like powerful 
I don't know if you want to call them virtues or characteristics. The Bible actually refers to joy and peace as fruit of the Holy Spirit living inside of you. Uh, Spring up from trusting, putting your trust in God, uh, but also the hope that comes from his Holy Spirit. And so today we'll talk a little bit about what we can do to cultivate that hope in a world that, I mean, is just is desperate for hope. I think we're all desperate for hope, and I can't imagine what living would be like right now if not for the hope that cannot be shaken, this holy hope which is different than anything the world can offer. It's different because it's rooted in the person of Jesus and our God, who here Paul calls the God of hope. So give me one second. I need to grab a couple of props here. A third hand would come in so handy sometimes, uh, not just for that little girl you saw earlier uh, that Allison showed during announcements. So in the spirit of Christmas, I brought some eggnog, and I'm going to ask you to fill in the blank here in just a second. This glass is half. We have a lot of optimists in this room today. Uh, Other acceptable answers are the glass is half empty or half gross. Um, I think think maybe the most vivid description I've ever heard of eggnog is like uh, liquid snot. Yeah, someone, someone knows that, but anyway... I know he said no food and drink in here. It's not so bad. Yes, if you spike it, then it, I guess, is spiked liquid snot. The question is, uh, if you're a follower of Jesus, how should we view this cup? Some of you might say that the cup is half full. You should say the cup is half full if you're a follower of Jesus, right? Then you would fall into the optimist camp. not Optimus Prime, not the Transformer, Optimist Camp. And and maybe you're right. Um, There's this reality that some of us look at the same set of circumstances and think, wow, life is pretty good. Things are going to be okay. Uh, We can do this, right? So I I am an optimist, and I look at this winter thinking, man, we just got to get on the, the Duluth, Minnesota train. I don't know if you've ever met anyone from Duluth, Minnesota, but they love it when it's cold. They're like, I can't wait for it to get cold because then maybe it'll snow and we can be out uh, doing all these wintry things. And uh, last winter was, was rough because we had this newborn, but now with a one and a half year old, like she's ready to run. And so I'm not worried about her getting too cold. Like, all right, winter, bring it on. Now, if you're a pessimist, you look at this winter and it's especially dark and gloomy. What I would offer to you today is that a Christian is neither an optimist or a pessimist, but both. Because as Christians, we move toward pain. When we see pain, we move toward it. We actually acknowledge that there is something deeply wrong with the world. We move toward pain, even if that pain is inside of ourselves. We have this robust view of sin and evil. We believe that it is not only out there, but inside of us. Now, of course, that's not the entire picture because 
People who follow Jesus also have the most robust view of love and grace and hope of anybody in the world. And so we see uh, not just the, the, the potential for good things in all people. Uh, we might say the redemption, the possible redemption for anybody or anything. We actually have something better than optimism, better than I think things will be better, better than I hope for a, a brighter future. We have a hope that is anchored in Jesus and particularly his resurrection, right? His victory over death. And so as Christians, I, we look at the world, I think, honestly. We look at ourselves honestly. We see, well, depending on which part you'd rather uh, participate in, the vacuum above the eggnog or uh, the eggnog itself, right? Like the, we don't just see what's positive. As Christians, we have hope. And what I want to point you toward today is to remember that as people who follow Jesus, we keep our eyes fixed on the source of all goodness, the source of our hope, the source of life, the source of joy and peace and love. That's what we can put our hope in. We don't put our hope in the half-empty or the half-full glass. We put our hope in the source of all good things. Hope is something we all need. Hope is something we're all looking for. And hope means that we're waiting. We're waiting uh, for Christmas to come. We're waiting, if, you, if you're a kid, like you, you have that feeling, that wishing for Christmas morning. And because what comes on Christmas morning? Presents. And then you grow up a little bit. And maybe if you're a kid at heart, you still really look forward to those presents. But then you, you think, oh, I can't wait for summer vacation, right? I can't wait to graduate. I can't wait to be out into the real world and, you know, earning some money of my own, right? Every, every life stage kind of has this next level of waiting. I can't wait for the promotion. I can't wait for my mortgage to be paid off or to be debt-free. I can't wait to be people in this world means that we are waiting. The question is, what are we waiting for? And if you're in one of those seasons of life I just mentioned, the season will come and it will go, and you'll still have something to wait for. As people who follow Jesus, we're waiting for him to return. We're waiting for his kingdom to come in its fullness, as Isaiah 11 put so beautifully and so symbolically. We cling to the source. We look to Jesus. We we get up in the morning to help partner in his kingdom. That's, uh, that's like one of the main things, I think, to consider when you think about hope. Like, what gets you up in the morning? I hope that it is more than uh, a better job or a bigger house. Imagine getting up in the morning without hope. And imagine what happens if you put your hope in something other than Jesus and his kingdom. What happens when that foundation starts to look a little rocky or starts to move or starts to shake? 
In 1 Corinthians, uh, I guess I have it printed off in here. It'll be quicker. Chapter 13, Paul again says this, Now we see things imperfectly, like puzzling reflections in a mirror. But then we will see everything with perfect clarity. All that I know is now partial and incomplete. And then I will know everything completely, just as God knows me completely. Three things will last forever. Faith, hope, and love. And of course, you know that he goes on to say, and the greatest of these is love. But I think that's important to remember as we're waiting Just as if you're waiting for Christmas or if you're waiting to graduate or maybe you're waiting for romance in your life, there's kind of the the spread of emotions, right? There's the, oh, it's so exciting. Graduation is coming. Christmas is coming. But then there's like, is Christmas ever going to come? We get stuck in the waiting and there's pain sometimes in the waiting. We're waiting for a doctor's appointment to tell us, Uh, a diagnosis. We're waiting for a a new medicine. We're waiting. We're waiting for healing. We're waiting for restoration with a child or with a spouse. So waiting includes accepting the painful circumstances of your life and aching for something bigger, something better, something bigger than this world. And that's why it's so important to have hope that does not come from this world. Because it's the only thing that will see you through the darkness of the most difficult seasons. You know, if you, if you try to symbolically uh, depict hope, if you look at kind of the history of the church and how they Uh, symbolically draw hope. Do you know what they draw? It's not a star that you wish on, right? That's kind of the Disney uh, idea of hope. If you wish upon a star, makes no difference who you are. Uh, I don't remember the rest, but something about dreams coming true, right? It's the world's wishing. The church, and I'm talking about 2,000 years of history here, depicts hope as an anchor, That's surprising, right? Because you might be thinking of hope as something out there that uh, you move toward and it's like real, like happy and optimistic and all that. But hope as an anchor is the kind of hope that can see you through the storm. Hope as an anchor means that as the, the wind picks up and the rain falls and the pain comes, you've got something to to keep you steady, because the world, right, the outside stuff is going crazy. Is that true? Like, is that true today? You guys need an anchor. You guys need a hope so that while the world spins around you, you have a place to stand. You have something that will keep you rooted, that will keep you from being swept away by the fear and the anxiety. Um, and, And one of the things, right, that can feed into our own kind of like, uh, fear and anxiety is anger. And so like, I know a lot of, and, and I'm not, again, not saying emotions are bad. As followers of Jesus, right, we actually move toward pain. We make peace with pain. We heal pain. We, we show compassion to ourselves 
and to others when there's pain. But we need an anchor. And so when when Paul writes here in Romans 15, he actually, I think, gives us some insights into how to cultivate hope, how to see hope rise in you. And so he says, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace. Again, those are fruits of the Holy Spirit as you trust in him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Uh, I say this quite a bit. You guys uh, know what another biblical word for trust is? Trust and faith are actually synonyms. And so if you were to look at the Greek word here, underneath that word trust is the same word for faith, right? So faith isn't this abstract idea like you can't say I have faith. The question is you have faith in what? You, I have trust doesn't make sense. I, it's what you put your trust in or who you put your trust in. Um, and here Paul is saying, put your trust in God and Jesus and his kingdom and your hope will increase. So there's this, there's this equation that's always true. As faith goes up, hope goes up. And so if you want more hope in your life, uh, maybe the way to get that hope is to build more trust in God, more dependence in God in your life. And there's a couple different ways to do this. Uh, One of the theologians that lived about 500 years ago during the time of the Reformation, anybody know John Calvin? No cheers. Okay, but that's uh, some thumbs up. He was a French guy who lived most of his like writing life in Switzerland. And he says that prayer is the chief exercise of faith. In other words, if you want to work out your faith, spend more time praying. And I know that doesn't sound like super exciting, uh, but, but exercise usually isn't all that exciting. Sometimes it gets exciting, like praying for people can actually increase your faith a little bit, but uh, also praying for God to act in your life. That's primarily what John Calvin here is talking about. The more you pray the more you'll increase your dependence on God and see what he's doing. Even if it's not answering the specific prayers you pray, you'll be surprised how you'll start to see, especially if your prayers include gratitude, what he's doing. So, I mean, just the question is, how is your prayer life? How often do you pray? And I'm not not judging you if you don't. And if you don't know how to pray, like, there's no judgment on that either. If you know anybody in this church and say, hey, I'm, I'm not sure how to pray, they'll, uh, they'd love to give you some resources. I would love to give you some resources. But I'm, I know it can be a little bit scary uh, if, you know, coming to your pastor and saying, I don't know how to pray. Like, I would love for you to approach me and ask me that question. But I, I know that that can be scary. So anyone in the church you know, life group leaders, I need to be taught how to pray is a great way to start. And if, if you're someone who's followed Jesus for a long time, there's, there's always good reason to refocus on and reinvigorate your prayer life. It's like if you've stopped going to the gym, if you've stopped working out, if you've stopped going for walks, every once in a while, it seems like things just kind of fade off in that department. And so then you got to be like, okay, I'm back on the horse, right? I'm doing this. Let's, you could do that with your prayer life. This, this Christmas season could be a time to plug back in to God in that way. 
Another way to increase your faith, again, with the end of increasing hope, is to take risks. So let me ask you this. Are you, are you doing anything in your life right now that doesn't include risk? And I'm talking about like risks for God. Because in, in taking risks for God, you're actually leaning on him to do things that you couldn't do in your own power. You're, you're trusting that God is the one building his kingdom in your life and other people, asking for him to like, do amazing things around you and in you? Um, or are you, are you kind of doing everything that feels like inside of your comfort zone? Maybe it's financially or maybe it's relationally. Have you, have you taken a risk relationally lately like so that God's kingdom would break through, so that somebody would you know, either hear about Jesus as you've experienced him or, or like maybe, maybe if you're even talking with a, a friend who follows Jesus, have, have you said, you know what, I want to pray for you right now. And I know, like, this, uh, I know you've been following Jesus. I know you know this stuff, but I'm just, I want to pray that God's Spirit would come right now, that He would do something new in your life, right? Like, because where faith increases, hope increases. And if you're not taking some kind of risk for God, then, then you're not living a life that needs faith. Then you're just living a life that needs you. And I'm not, I'm not talking about like not wearing a mask or being, uh, you know, uh, really overpowering with people relationally. I'm not talking about that. I'm just, I'm talking about listening to what God would have you do, taking some risks. And not, not only taking risks when you're so sure that it's, it's God who's leading you toward it, because then you'll talk yourself out of it all the time, but taking risks for God. As faith increases, hope increases. Third way to increase faith is to tap into the power of the Holy Spirit. So there are different ways to do that, and I'm not going to get into all of them. Again, like there are people in this church who would love to kind of point you in that way. One of the ways that you can tap into the power of the Holy Spirit is like when you worship, or like at the Vineyard, we always do this ministry time to like expect God to show up, to, to listen for his voice, to quiet your heart, to invite, like just keep saying, God, please come. I need you. God, please come. I think, I think church, I hope church is one of those places that you expect to meet God. Of course, it can be more places other than church. It's maybe, you know, part of that reinvigorating your prayer life that I mentioned. Paul says in Romans 15, uh, May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with hope by what? By the power of his Holy Spirit. I want to land here by reading a little uh, devotional by a woman named Ruth Haley Barton. And she uh, does kind of meditative exercises, but she has an Advent or Christmas season reading. And I just, I think it's, it's fascinating. She says, as I write for Advent this year, we are waiting for a baby. Literally. Our daughter is in labor and our whole family is in the hospital waiting. We're right outside the labor and delivery room. 
And even though we are all tired because we have been up most of the night, we are awake. We are alert. We are ready. While we wait, we are bombarded with harsh news from the television that is on incessantly and the newspaper we brought from home. We cannot escape the reality that thousands are dying from the outbreak of disease and fear is running rampant. Racial tensions are high. Senseless shootings keep rocking our world until we are almost numb. I need to tell you something. This wasn't written this year. This was written 11 years ago. In 2009. That kind of creates a little thunk in your stomach, or it did in mine, when I realized that. The disease was H1N1. The world hasn't changed much. <laughs> the things that we so often put our hope in aren't accomplishing the things we wish they would. That's why we need Jesus and his kingdom. And I, I'm not, again, I'm not saying that the world is going to hell in a handbasket. Because, I mean, saying that doesn't put much faith in Jesus and his kingdom and the belief that it's like advancing, that it's on the move. But I mean, you can see how like the world is a half empty and half full world. And we need hope. We need the source of all goodness to pour out his power on our world. She goes on to say, the blessing of this new addition to our family is happening at the very same time that the world we inhabit together seems to be falling apart. Why would God want to bring babies into a world like this? But no matter, when our son-in-law finally burst through the doors with news of a healthy grandson and a young mother who is tired but doing well, there is a joyful pandemonium. Loud cheers and quiet tears mingled together in celebration of this child for whom we have waited so long. Both realities exist together, and somehow the fact that God chooses to bring new babies into the world lets us know he has not given up, to, uh, given up on us. It's not just new babies, right? It's a baby in particular that shows us that God has not given up on us. It's not an idea. It's himself. It's, it's God sending his son, Jesus, into the world that sends the message, I have not given up on you. Because hope is not found in an idea, and it's so much more than a fuzzy feeling or an emotion. Hope is found in a person, Jesus. And that's, that's what we're putting our anchor down on this season. So let's pray as the worship team comes up. Holy Spirit, we invite you to come. We need you desperately. We love you imperfectly, but we trust that you will fill us with your spirit 
and produce the fruit of joy and peace. Flood our minds and our hearts with hope. What would that be like to think hopeful thoughts? (laughs) To have our hearts bursting with hope that comes from you. So come, Holy Spirit. Push us past optimism and pessimism and into hope. Thanks again for listening to the podcast of the Vineyard Church, Chester Springs. We hope you share this with your friends and family and subscribe on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. See you next time.